Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 165 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a principal program manager for mobile development tools at Microsoft. He has been a .NET developer since 2005, working in a wide range of industries, including game development, printer software, and web services. Before becoming a principal program manager, he was a professional mobile developer and has been crafting apps since 2011. So welcome to the show, James Montemagno. Phil, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege on the side of the microphone. Well, I'm delighted you could join me. Um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was actually something that's not in that introduction. Um, and we talked about it just before we came on air. But you also are quite a prolific podcaster. So could you give us maybe a bit of an understanding of the podcast that you run? It's been a long history. I have been a developer for a long time. I got into you know coding early, but I started to get a passion for public speaking, and I felt really comfortable behind a microphone early on. I used to build home theater PCs, and I started a podcast on that. And then I sort of realized that the podcast was one of the best ways to sit down and have a great long conversation with a friend. So I started a bunch of different podcasts over the years with some of my best friends that live in other cities. So we have a time to sit every single week and chat. You know, We chat 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after and record the podcast. So I do several different shows. I, I record a a .NET sort of development focus show. It's called Merge Conflict, which is a really great name for a, a development podcast. <laughs> which you can find in your podcast app. And then I also do a podcast with my friend Michael out of New York. So I'm, I live in Seattle. And it's uh, called Nintendo Dispatch. So we're big video game fans and we're big Nintendo fans, even though I work for Microsoft. I do love my Xbox, but I love my Nintendo Switch. So we do Nintendo Dispatch. And then, of course, I do stuff for Microsoft. So I have the Xamarin podcast that we do monthly uh, with some of our uh, some of my coworkers here at Microsoft. So yeah, I'm all over the place. I love podcasting. It's, it's so great just to hear people's stories or hear the same person's story and then see what their life's about, basically. So I love it. So how did that come about? What, why the big interest in podcasting? I think when I got started, podcasts weren't a thing yet. You know, when I started podcasting, I had just got my first iPod. iTunes was just really getting off the ground. And you were uploading your own MP3s to your server. You were creating your own RSS. So I think at the beginning, it was... It was a challenge. It was something that uh, hadn't really been done at a scale yet. And the equipment was new. The technology was new. There was no Libsyn. There was no Fireside. There was no Zencaster. There was, you know, there was audacity like everybody always had. So it was a challenge on the technical level, but it was also a challenge on a different skill set, to be honest with you. I was a coder, I was a developer, and getting in front of a microphone, having to figure out the equipment, the audio interfaces to getting to the editing. It was a whole different skill set, which I've used to this day to record videos technically, to do YouTube, and now I'm a big Twitch streamer, so I, I stream on Twitch. And a lot of those skills apply 
And, and for the fact that it's just joyous to talk about stuff that you love. And, and I think that's the other part of it is I love talking about stuff that I actually love. And I hope that other people can listen to the podcast and learn something that maybe they take into their job um, or into their personal life and, and, and start creating something new off of. You've also taken that into conference speaking as well. Yeah, I would say that after podcasting, the next natural progression was to get in front of a few thousand people. And uh, (laughs) my career changed early on from being a developer into being a developer advocate. And this was sort of a really change in my career. I was still developing, but part of my job as a developer advocate was to go help and teach developers around the world about mobile development with .NET and Xamarin. So when I changed my career, I had one session with a public speaker. But after that, I got on the road. Uh, I did a road show uh, with another podcast, .NET Rocks. And we had did, we did like 10 or 15 cities, drove an RV bus around the entire country. And every like almost every other day, I was doing the same session, boom, 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 boom. But it got me really comfortable t- to be the point where I could talk in front of five people, 10 people, 100 people, or at my most, I think I did... At one of our Ignite conferences, I want to say there was about eight to 10,000 people in the room. And that was a really crazy moment in my life where I I had taken one public speaking class ever in college. And then now I'm in front of 10,000 people. It's a whole different scale, but it's, it's a rush. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Not something I've done. So maybe it's something for the future. Yeah, you have the, you have the voice for it. So I think if you take your voice and your personality put in front of people, they'd love it. Well, I hope so. I'll give it a go. (laughs) I'll let you know what happens. So James, can you perhaps tell us a career tip, maybe the one the audience doesn't know and should? For me, I was able to change my career by focusing on what I love, but you know, that's a tip that everyone do what you love, right? But for me, what I found myself as a mobile developer early on was not to try to revolutionize the world when you're getting started in something new or even when you're five to 10 years into it. And what I mean by that is it's okay not to reinvent everything. It's okay to take what has been done and craft that really well. And my example is when I first started with mobile development, I started a very small company building all of their mobile apps for iOS, Android, and Windows. And I'm a developer. I'm not a graphics designer. I'm not a UI designer. I'm not a release management engineer, but I was tasked with everything. So when I went to go design and build the the mobile applications, I didn't know user UX studies or UI paradigms. So what I did is instead of reinventing and coming up with something brand new or trying to make the most beautiful this and that, and I can do it better than Microsoft or Google or Apple? There's no way, right? They had spent tens of millions of dollars on UI research. So what I did is I took what I loved, my craft that I had to go do and build these mobile apps, and I sat down with each of the devices and the favorite apps from each of them, and I saw what did Google do? What did Microsoft do? And what did Apple do to spec out their user interface? What did it look like? How did it interact? And I took those guiding principles and adapted it into my development. And I said, you know what? 
I think Microsoft and Google and Apple know their own platform really well. So let me apply those principles. So instead of reinventing the wheel, take all of that great knowledge that's out there um, from these huge companies that are spending this, there's lots of money and have all these great design guidelines and apply that to your application instead of trying to do, I'm going to do the next best thing. It's okay to start small. Yeah, but but you also, it sounds like you've also blended the best of what you've managed to identify from each. When I was starting, it was a different landscape in mobile where every every iOS or Android or Windows app needed to look exactly to the platform. And now we're sort of blending the worlds a little bit. So as the mobile development and just development itself has evolved, you still want to see what they're doing. So uh, John Skeet said it best on, on your podcast is everything is changing really fast. And I think it is changing fast, but it's not changing dry. tomorrow. It's not going to change 100%. But uh, you can take what they're doing as it evolves and apply those evolving paradigms to your application. So uh, what I mean by this, you know, reinventing as well, is you don't need to always have to create the next paradigm shift or in, in mobile development or UI development. You can apply these great things that already exist today as they're evolving and roll them into your app. Okay, James, can you tell us maybe about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, so there's many of them. No, there's not that many of them. Um, (laughs) uh, I I had a hard time thinking of this, but it really, as soon as I thought about it, was exactly what I wanted to tell, which was uh, after about seven months of building my first mobile app professionally for this company that I moved my life, I used to live in Phoenix, I, I moved up to Seattle for a job at this company. Uh, a small startup, and I was building all their mobile apps. We spent six or seven months crafting this mobile app. It was a DVR management uh, tool, and you you know you put your your blood, sweat, and tears into this product. You do everything, and then you release it, and it's like a sigh of relief. But then at the same time, everything is actually just starting. So the worst IT career moment that I had as a developer was sort of actually not following the advice of of my boss, which he told me, don't read the reviews. You tell me not to do something, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I was working 60 to 70 hours, 80 hours at the max on this application a week to get it out for production. And you put it out into the world and I start to read the reviews. And I don't have enough sleep. I'm stressed out about the app release. And I just start to see these reviews, whether it's good or bad or in the middle, every little piece of it was crushing. Just my soul was crushed. I mean, I fell into a deep depression. I wrote a blog article about it, how it really flipped my world upside down. I was I just you know moved to the city. I lived in a tiny itty bitty apartment in downtown Seattle, and it was all dark and gloomy around the time of release. You know, it was all gray. I really didn't know what to do. It, it was one of those hard parts that, you know, you have to take the the good with the bad. And I didn't know how to handle the bad. So how I got out of that, though, was was ha- asking for help and, and talking to my managers and my friends and and not doing it alone. So I did fall into like a really bad depression after that, which is which is like to say, you know, the hardest part of an app release is after it comes out and having to deal with that. But the worst part there and if i was to give you one tip was don't read the reviews really don't don't read the reviews (laughs) like don't do it they're bad news absolutely okay so moving away from your worst moment can you maybe tell us about your career highlight or greatest success 
obviously I came out of the deep depression. I've been doing great. Mobile app development is great. Everything is good. I've done a lot in, in, in the community and I've done a lot of public speaking and I've, I've spoken in front of small and, and large groups of people. I would say one thing that I thought was one of the greatest achievements didn't have to do anything in my day-to-day career or you know libraries I've published. Uh, one thing that I'm really proud of and something happened more recently, which was taking all my skills as a developer and working with uh, nonprofits uh, locally in the community. So every year in Seattle, there's this thing called Give Camp, and I helped uh, the organizers do a mobile Give Camp. So all of the nonprofits in the area, they submitted their app idea, and this was really great because I knew that there were a lot of nonprofits and a lot of different uh, nonprofits that were helping you know, animals and food shelters and homelessness and things like that. But I, I actually got to sit down and, and meet with them and work with a whole bunch of different people that were brand new to mobile development. So it was, it was great because we got to do work for these nonprofits. We got to teach about 100 developers that had never, never done mobile development, a brand new skill set. And this was great because you know, the next generation of developers. But the success and achievement that came out of it is the Queen Anne Food Bank that we built an app for to help like restaurants and food companies donate their food to um, to the food bank. They just reported that after six months uh, of the application, they already had like eight tons of food donated into from the application wow. that would have went to waste. Like, yeah, astonishing. Like that alone of like how much a weekend it was a weekend hackathon that we did could impact the lives of so many people. That's like my greatest achievement. So being able to make that significant difference to society, that that's a fantastic thing to be able to do. Yeah, I, I think so. And you, we say it all the time that we're here to transform the world or uh, you know, it's the next evolution. And you can, as a developer, there's things that you can do, even in your day job, but you know, things that are get active in the community that that really has this really positive impact. Yeah. I think it's great to hear that the industry that we are we we are a part of that you're able to make that significant difference. I think a lot of people work in roles where they don't necessarily see the benefits of what they do, but hearing things like that certainly, yes, it gives you that sort of sense of achievement, doesn't it? And and being able to contribute to society as a whole. Yeah. And it was nice too, because everyone that was in that room wasn't a developer. We had graphic designers, we had people that were traditionally, uh, you know, database admins and everybody played a part. So no, you didn't have to be the best mobile developer. You didn't have to be interested in mobile developer, but even someone that is like, Hey, I'm a graphic designer. We need your help. We need someone to edit copy for the website or for the app store, for instance, or even inside the application. So you don't have to be an IT pro or you don't have to be a developer to make that impact um, around technology, which I think is a really great industry to be had. So James, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? I definitely see this sort of migration where there used to be this bucket kind of similar to what I just talked about of like IT pro and developers and and DB. But more than anything, I, I sort of feel like the industry is transforming into everyone takes part in everything. Sort of the DevOps life cycle of people are the central of all this process. So I think that's exciting. But I think what's more exciting since I'm a mobile developer is that we are getting ready Hopefully in the next year or two, it seems like it's an exciting time for me right now. So we're recording this in 2019 to to timestamp this because 
When I got started with mobile development eight years ago, it was a transformative period, which was for the first time, you were able to carry a supercomputer around in your pocket. And now these supercomputers, I mean, these, this, my Pixel 2 XL is like the fastest thing that I've ever had in my life, right? It's like crazy. Like I look at the, you know, some of the new devices have 12 gigs of RAM. I'm like, my MacBook doesn't even have that. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. So to me, it's about the next evolution in hardware, which actually really excites me. Of course, we have cloud computing, which is very exciting and machine learning. But what's exciting to me is that we're getting ready to have two big paradigm shifts. One around the augmented reality and mixed reality of being able to create and craft brand new, never before experiences that are really going to transform schools and industries and at home. But more importantly, on the mobile side of things, we've had phones, we've had tablets, but even though it's early on, we see this shift into foldables, into bridging the gap. So as a mobile developer, what really energizes me and excites me is that now I'm in this space or you might be coming brand new into this space and there's going to be a whole new segment, a whole new category of devices and experiences that we'll be able to create as developers that are really going to delight users. I feel that spark of excitement just like the first time I held my smartphone. I'm watching every foldable review, every time it's good or if it's bad, every single prototype. And I'm like, I cannot wait until this is the norm, right? When you're watching Westworld and they have these foldable tablets, I'm like, we are, we are close. I think that's what really jazzes me up. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? I'm ready. I am ready. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Math. I really loved math. Uh, and I grew up in the Midwest. No one in my family was really a developer in IT or anything like that. We came from the steel industry background. And I loved math. I was really good at it. And my teachers at the time in school told me if I liked math, I could be a teacher or I could be an accountant. That's all I could do. <laughs> And then I saw in a video game magazine that you could become a video game developer. And I went and researched what you needed to be a developer. What's the skill set? And it's all about math and all this is all the stuff that I knew, the, the algebra and the geometry and all these different things. And I went and became a video game developer. And that's what I did first in my career before moving into desktop and then mobile. So that's what attracted me was my love for video games and math and bringing those two worlds together. And also the fact that someone told me that I could only be an accountant and that didn't excite <laughs> me because I love math. So there's got to be something more exciting. I mean, accountants, I love my accountant. Don't get me wrong, but that was not for me. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? So my instructor in college, Phil Miller, who I like to credit with uh, basically all my success that I've had <laughs> because he taught me two things. He taught me C-sharp, which is my favorite programming language that I use until this day. But he also told me in this industry, you can never stop learning. And you could take that in a few ways. You could read books, you could read tutorials, but I took that in a, in, in a way that I should do all of those things and I should learn how to be the best in what I'm doing, but in other things. But how can I take that to another level? So early on in my career, when he said, never stop learning, I said, well, I can read things, but I want to be able to go to events. I want to go to build and I want to go to Google IO and I want to learn from these experts and I want to watch the live webinars. And after I went to the very last professional developers conference, PDC, which was before build here in Redmond. That's when I got my first mobile phone, my Windows phone device at the time. And I learned about Azure. 
And because Phil told me to never stop learning, I went to this conference, got a mobile phone, and became a mobile developer, and I'm here where I'm at now. So it's a lot of strings of luck, but never never stop learning. Also think about what else does that mean? What are the other things that I could do? Because most likely if you work at a company, they have a training budget and spend that because it's there. When I worked at Canon, I went to all the conferences because it was helping me in my career and also learning great new things that I would take into the future. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? I think the worst career advice that I got early on from teachers was was that I could only do certain things. And if I had listened to that, then I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So always challenge what people tell you. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? Well, so the world's definitely changed a lot, but I believe that a lot of what I did early on applies to what I'm doing today. But if I could go back and tell fresh out of college, James, it would be to take more risks earlier. What I mean by risks is we always say, do what you love. And if you don't love it, leave the job. Well, I worked and I worked on, I loved working on printer software. Don't get me wrong, but I worked on it for four years. And by the end of the four years, did I, did I really love it? Should I have taken a jump earlier? And, and I think that was it. I would say be more comfortable with taking risks because if you are really, really good and you love what you're doing right now, but you see an opportunity out there, don't feel like you shouldn't take that leap if you're in a comfortable spot, especially when you're really young. I think that's what what I am is is if you can take those leaps, jump around and and find something that you're truly passionate about, take those leaps, even if it's from company, small, maybe it's moving, even just moving. I'm not happy where I'm living right now. Move, right? Move a city, try a new city. Uh, that's what I did. I moved from Phoenix to Seattle and and I took that big jump for not only career, but also just personal life. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Well, definitely a life objective is I'm uh, helping my partner uh, plan our wedding. So that's a big undertaking right yes. now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is uh, a lot more work than, than uh, you would think. Uh, but on a, on a career level, what I'm really focusing on on my objectives is to uh, help build the best community around .NET development for mobile developers with Xamarin. So every single thing that I'm doing, my focus is all, how can I help the community, grow the community, nurture the community, and all of our great developers out there. And that's either through creating content, through learning, through helping our developers create a better product, uh, or doing uh, you know what I'm doing right now, which is being on this awesome podcast with you and telling my story, which hopefully ignites uh, some developers or IT pros to get into mobile development or, or any type of development, to be honest. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? So you met, we talked about it really early on, and, and I wrote it down because I wanted to talk about it more during this reveal. It, it's honestly speaking, and I know that that sounds like a silly thing to say, but for me, when I took my first public speaking class in college, it was a required course that I, that I went to. I saw the struggle of some of my classmates do public speaking, uh, and we teamed up together and tried to break down those barriers. So one of the things that I've done and I've learned is it's not just public speaking, but it's being able to sit, stand still, listen. So it's speaking and listening, I would say, being able to allow others to speak and listen and then have that conversation with them. And sort of hone that skill because speaking is a skill and listening is a skill too. So Combining those two together and crafting that is something that I think has really helped my career grow uh, from not only just being a developer, but 
to then an advocate to being a program manager that I am today. Yeah, I think that definitely very, um, very useful skills to develop. And it does take time. It does. It does. It's, it's not going to be overnight. It's something you have to constantly work at over and over. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I think that I'm in a really great industry for mobile development because it really expands past mobile devices. What I think is really great that keeps me energized is tinkering with all these little crazy gadgets that come out. What I do is I watch a lot of, I go on Twitch and I do Twitch content, but I also watch a lot of my colleagues and friends and other developers and IT individuals work on projects, whether it's something that I have no idea about. So some little Arduino or Raspberry Pi project that they're working on or something with the web space or some other programming language. It really excites me to see other people's do with their love. Uh, so I listen to them on Twitch. I listen to podcasts and those things keep me energized on a daily basis, uh, continue to keep it going. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I uh, spend a lot of time with uh, my partner in life, uh, Heather. I, I love her to death and I'm ready to spend the rest of my life with her. Um, and we do a lot of things together. I think that we are, uh, when I met her, we were, I already love to travel, but I found the perfect travel companion, not only in life, but around the globe. So we love travel. I think that's the one thing that a lot of people have their passions. Maybe it's going out and, and going to movies or, or food or uh, you know, home theater systems, but we just love traveling. I think that travel should be super achievable. A lot of people think traveling is maybe either scary or expensive, but you can go on trips on a budget. Uh, we just went to Vietnam, Malaysia, and Singapore. It was less than a, about $1,000 total between all of the flights and the hotels and everything for us. Um, and it's something that we save up for. It's what we plan and we love doing. So travel, I think, just to see the cultures around the world, the people, uh, to interact and experience the world because it's so big is really interesting to see. And then at home, I'm always cycling. I cycle home from work in the summer for sure, but I'm always cycling around. I, I love cycling. It really changed my life early on. Uh, and then also the other thing that I've been doing recently is, is a more recent passion project is I, one, I love coffee, but I started to, to home roast coffee. So take green coffee beans and roast them. So I don't have to spend all the crazy money on coffee. Um, and I, I roast at home and it's a whole different science. So the, the, ner the nerdy science math sort of comes out and the timing of it all really excites me. Right. Okay. And James, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? A final piece of career advice that I would have to give is take those risks early on, but don't feel like that even if it's later on in your career that you shouldn't take risks and, and stand up for really what you believe in or what you're going to be passionate about. And for me, I would say one thing that I've done is try to get outside of my team. And what I mean by that is obviously I love speaking. I obviously love advocacy. I also love what I do. I think one career advice is to try to get outside of your team and make those connections. So here at Microsoft, I work really close with our, our marketing team, with our development team, uh, with our Channel 9 production studios, 
to our cloud advocates, and I try to build relationships with all the different teams so I can understand how their team structure works, how I can maybe learn from what they're doing, because especially at even a small company, you can learn a lot from other teams in your space. And then building those connections uh, gives you a lot of uh, flexibility when projects come up to do cross-team collaboration. I think that really helps build careers long-term or those long-lasting relationships across teams. So that's kind of my my one tip is, is try to get outside your bubble. And you can do that, obviously, even if you're at a very small company, you can get outside your bubble by going to meetups and, and finding other people and kind of learning from them. Yeah, exactly. That's great advice, definitely. James, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm everywhere on the internet. Just you could Google James Montemagno. That's me. Um, James Montemagno on Twitter. James Montemagno on LinkedIn. James Montemagno on Twitch. Just James Montemagno everywhere. You can email me jamesmontemagno at gmail.com. That's also me. And then my website is just montemagno.com. And, and that's a blend of 90% development, 10% personal life. And then, of course, my podcasts. You can find Merge Conflict. You can find Nintendo Dispatch. And you can find them on the website. But just Google me. You'll find me. James, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. A quick thank you again to my guest on today's show for sharing their career tips, advice, and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. Now that there are three new episodes of the show every week, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss out. And don't forget to join the new IT Career Energizer Community Group in Facebook. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great to hear from you and to learn about your own career journey, your successes, opinions, and thoughts on the future of the industry. Thanks for supporting the show. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.